This is Founders Talk, an interview podcast hosted by me, Adam Stikoviak, and we profile founders building businesses online as well as offline. And if you found this show on iTunes, we're also on the web at 5x5.tv slash Founders Talk. And if you are on Twitter, follow Founders Talk as well as me, Adam Stack. And we've got some awesome sponsors for the show, Less Accounting. They are reigning true and supporting the show. You can check out lessaccounting.com. And because it is tax season right now, I have to mention this awesome feature they have. All year long, they're doing bookkeeping for a number of their different uh, customers. They actually have the service that's quarterly bookkeeping. They assign somebody to you. They do all your bookkeeping for you. And every quarter, they're doing all this different stuff. They do categorization, reporting, reconciliation. You don't have to do any of that stuff. It's, it's, it's the easiest way to actually do it. So, And then, right about now, tax time, they do all the stuff necessary to work with your accountant to give them the bookkeeping data they need and all that stuff to properly and quickly do your tax preparation so it's one of my most favorite features to actually use of theirs and each year it's just just that easy so lessaccounting.com and also by the industry a new blog and weekly radio show that i run with drew wilson and jared arondu that highlights design tech startups and people in this tech industry check out the industry.cc and today's guests are nate predick and jay finelli the founders of Full Stop and United Pixel Workers. Enjoy the show. I'm joined today by Nathan Peretic and his good old partner, Jay Finelli, and they are from the awesome web shop Full Stop out of my home, hometown, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, not too far away from Punxsutawney, which was uh, recently celebrated, what, uh, Groundhog Day, right, guys? That's right. That's right. I think they celebrate Groundhog Day everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they do, but they really celebrate it right there in Punxsutawney. That's right. Uh, I, I love Pittsburgh, man. You guys love Pittsburgh? I, I like Pittsburgh, but I haven't been anywhere else. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm not from Pittsburgh. Um, I, I moved here about 14 years ago, and despite a few escape attempts, I, I stayed, and now, now I'm here for good. Escape att- That sounds like my history with Texas, actually. In, in Texas, we have this saying, and if you're a listener to the show, you might have heard me say this before. Uh, if, you're, if you're not from Texas and you came to Texas, like maybe even Dan Benjamin, the, the guy that runs 5 by 5 if you don't know him, uh, we have this thing that, that goes something like this. We got here as quick as we could. <laughs> Pittsburgh has a has a gravity to it that uh, that people find inescapable. It's a much cooler town now than when I first when I first moved here. It's the Steel City. It's it's well not anymore really, but you know it, it maintains that it maintains that heritage. That's a bummer. My dad worked in the steel mill, so that bums me out. He also worked at Heinz, which is also cool, right? Yeah, oh no, Heinz is you know trucking. We put we put ketchup on everything. That's right. We can see we can see Heinz on our window. Yeah, we also put fries on everything. Well, now that we've thoroughly introduced the audience to Pittsburgh, let's let's talk about you guys, right? So, Nate, Nathan, we're going to call you Nate for the rest of the show. So, Nathan is now Nate, uh, and Jay, you'll still be Jay, right? That's right. All right, cool. So let's let's introduce in my list from top to bottom, which is Nate first, and then Jay. So, Nate, for those who do not know you, besides full stop in, in United Pixel Workers and all that you've been up to kind of introduce yourself to the audience, please. Sure. Um, so I've been doing this, I don't know, for eight or ten years, but the first five were probably, they probably don't even count, you know, GeoCities, HTML tables, stuff like that. Right. Pre, pre-paid job. 
Uh, I do all the front end development for Full Stop. Um, co-founded it with Jay. Uh, spent about two years at another place right out of college with a degree that had nothing to do with the internet, just like I suspect most people. Um, and after two years, we got kind of fed up of trying to bash our heads through a brick wall, and we, we left to do this together. So, you know, we've been doing Full Stop for two and a half years, United Pixel Workers for most of that time also. And we get to have a lot of fun together collaborating on the strategy and the user experience. And then, you know, I do the, I do the code and he does the design. Cool. Well, Jay, he kind of did a little bit of an intro for you. Can you pick up there? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm Jay. Um, I'm, the, I'm the designer here. Um, I'm a little bit older than Nate, so I've been kind of bouncing, bouncing around the, the Pittsburgh web design and web marketing and advertising world for, for a little bit longer, probably since uh, maybe 2001 or so. Um, kind of like Nate, I got started designing websites back in the, a little bit earlier, back in the late 90s with Angel Fire sites and things like that. Um, went on the client side for, for a long time and then picked back up um, with design kind of in the late, late 2000s when, uh, when I met Nate at another, uh, at another web shop here in town. We were there for a couple of years together and then, like you said, we, we decided to bail and start our own thing. Um, we, should al- we should also mention uh, that, that there's a third man here at Full Stop. Um, our silent partner, Matt, silent in that he doesn't really say much, to be honest, but he's our, he's our back-end developer. So I do the design, Nate does the front-end, and then Matt does the, uh, the back-end stuff. So you're really a, a trio then, not a, we not are a trio. Duo. Okay. A, power, a power trio. Power trio. That's so funny you say power trio because on this show, I've said it before, and on the new show I host, if you haven't heard of it, it's called The Industry Radio Show. Uh, find that at theindustry.cc. Uh, we just mentioned power couple, so you guys, you guys are dudes, so you can't be a power couple. But you know, no, no. well, we can be, but you know, <laughs> um, not that there's anything wrong with that. So the the let's also before we jump deeply into your story, let's also kind of give a a premise at least to full stop, and at least a premise to United Pixel Workers and what you guys are doing there. So you know, we can go deeper into your story and the history where you guys came from. But before we get deeper into that, I kind of want the audience to know where we're going. Can can you, can one of you guys give us that leg up? You want, sure. to, you want to take the full stop side? Right. I'll, do, I'll do Pixel Workers. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Um, full stop was, like I said, we got tired of banging our heads against the wall. And the wall was people who didn't love the internet like we loved it, who didn't respect it like we respect it. By who, people, you mean coworkers and managers at previous right, employers. Right. Uh, we had very um, strong feelings about the client's needs, um, the customer of the client's needs, and what was the right, right way to approach that via process, um, what, the, what the right goals were, what kind of technical decisions to make, how to handle the client relationship, all kinds of things like that. So after two years of working together and really trying to put out the best work that we could, um, we began plotting. Um, we started talking about what would it be like if we were going to do it on our own. And we, we did our best to reintroduce that those thoughts back to the place that we were at. We put together some principal documents about you know what kind of jobs we wanted to take on, how we wanted to run things, and, and all those um, all those ideas. And unfortunately, it just it just didn't work out. And and looking back on it now, it's totally for the best. I don't know that either of us have ever been terrific soldiers under other generals, so maybe it's best that we uh, you know we start our own thing. But we immediately 
when we walked out, put all of those things into play. You can see them on our website. We're not shy about telling people how to do things. Uh, and maybe that's, you know, we think that's for the best. Um, but we know that there's some people who don't feel that way, and that's okay because there's a lot of people out there who need websites, and we only need a couple of them. So that's, that's how Full Stop got started, and it's been, it's been, you know, going on three years, you know, two and a half years of uh, just a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing this, a lot of uncertainty trying to get clients. When you don't have that reputation and that, um, you know, that client base built up, it's quite an adventure to walk out and start hitting the bricks, you know, looking for people to, uh, to do some work with you. You know, we were never sales staff. We would go on some sales calls. We were never... Um, the accountants or the lawyers or the, you know, the project managers, even in some cases. Um, and now that everything from the, the initial phone call, which we've had, you know, just a couple this week, earlier today, like that's, that's us all the way to the end. When we push the site out the door, when we do the maintenance on it after it's out the door and we have, you know, contracts with people long-term beginning to end now, that responsibility is on you know, two to three people instead of a, a larger company. So, have you guys seen that recent commercial from Staples, where where it's, it's all the same guy? Yeah, it's all the same guy. He's like, "Hey, yeah. my computer's broken," and he's telling himself that, and then he, they're like, "Hey, what happened to?" I forget what he calls him. So there's a couple of different commercials, but I think his name might have been Dan. He's like, "Hey, where's Dan?" He's like, "Oh yeah, he quit." And oh, Dan was <laughs> Dan was the IT guy, so that's kind of like you guys. Like, oh, what happened? Well, you guys yeah, wouldn't Nick- quit though. Nate's become a lot more of an accountant than I think he ever really <laughs> wanted to become. Yeah, we're both probably more lawyers than we ever wanted to become, too. Uh, well, it, you know, you mentioned being opinionated, and that's definitely something to be. I think is definitely something to be proud of these days because too many people are just rollovers, and you got to stand for something. And it seems like that's kind of that's kind of where United Pixel Workers came from was standing for something which was. Uh, you know, good design for one and just giving the community something they wanted. And, and it seems like this is at least your first stab at uh, a product. Yeah. Um, when we started United Pixel Workers, it sort of came out of the desire. You know, we're, we're not from a big city. You know, Pittsburgh's not a big place. Um, you know, it's certainly it's not it's not New York. It's not Brooklyn. It's not San Francisco. And it's, you know, it's not even places like Austin or, or, you know, Boston or, you know, other sort of Houston first, right. Houston, uh, you know, sort of second and third level, you know, these, these web locales. Um, we wanted a way to represent the place that we were from as well as representing the, the sort of larger industry that we were a part of. Um, and it really came out of this, you know, the, this, this desire, um, that we, that we started the idea. Um, the, there was sort of a couple different vectors that, that kind of collaborated, um, in, in what eventually became United Pixel Workers. Um, you know, the, there's the first thing, you know, with, with, you know, we just wanted to represent Pittsburgh and we wanted to represent the industry. Um, but also there, <laughs> from the, almost the minute that we started full stop. I said to Nate, at some point we're making T-shirts for something. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what the impetus is going to be. I don't know, you know, what the what the product is going to be. We're we're going to make T-shirts for something. And on a on a car ride across Pennsylvania, um, I kind of came up with this silly idea: what if there was a fake union for web de- web designers and web developers? And it started off kind of life as an idea to to really promote. Places like Pittsburgh, you know, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Detroit, Buffalo, Rochester, blue collar yeah, towns. I mean, yeah, right, right. It, it, the, the original name, the, the working name in the beginning was the the Rust Belt Pixel Workers Union, 
and it was going to be, you know, sort of uh, to, to promote those sorts of things. There's a similar T-shirt company that I've liked for a long time called uh, Campfire that's based in Akron, Ohio. And they just make T-shirts for these sort of like third tier and fourth tier cities, um, you know, places that, you know, like Erie, Pennsylvania, that you wouldn't expect to, you know, to ever be the kind of place that could just sell a bunch of T-shirts. But but they made it work. Um, so that was a big influence on on the idea for Pixel Workers. Um, so all these ideas kind of stewed around for a bit and we decided to give it a shot. So beyond the fact that I think you guys are sprinting, being two and a half years in and having the client success you've had with Full Stop and then also doing this t-shirt company and this brand and this whole idea we just talked about just now, I think that this, in my opinion, you're sprinting. But let's go back. I, sadly to say, I mean, two and a half years, almost three years. Let's go back and talk about more of the details of of what was going wrong because I so relate to leaving your old job to start your own thing because that's exactly how I got started in uh, where I'm at today, entrepreneurship, and just decided that where I was at, they were doing all the wrong things and I could make those things right. Turns out that company is really successful nowadays, but at the time they weren't they weren't uh, doing the awesome stuff and it wasn't keeping me around. But let's go back to that point. What was can you give me some examples of what was going on that made you want to leave your old job and start doing what you said, plotting to, to start up full stop? Sure. Yeah. Um, we ended up kind of really by accident because Jay's friend worked there and because I had no relationship at all, but I saw somebody who was an alumni of my school alumnus um, there. So we kind of ended up there by accident. I don't know that it was a conscious decision to go to this place. It's a nice, you know, nice location, nice people. They do pretty good work, but it wasn't like we sought them out like you'd seek out Instagram or Twitter and, and, and go there. Um, so we ended up there. You know, we worked together, and they they're primarily a video company, not a not a web company, a video company. They'd acquired a web company. That company had, you know, become a department, and that department had salespeople who brought work in, and basically it was a not very glorified container for videos. Um, some projects were better than others. You know, some were pretty awful. A lot of stuff that we fought tooth and nail to prevent from coming in was not the internet at all. It was kiosks in a mall, you know, mm-hmm. things. A lot of flash. Some print projects. I mean, everything there was flash before I got there. And so you were taking on different projects there and, and you were just trying to stay focused on web stuff or trying to stay focused on things that just were like not fun to do? Well, I mean, it's not all about having fun. But we, were, we were focused on doing things we felt were sustainable, things that we felt were in the client's best interests. Okay. You know, if all you have is a Flash developer, every, you know, every website project looks like a Flash project. Yeah. You know, and we didn't share that philosophy at all. And you know, to their credit, they, they listened sometimes, and we got some things done that weren't Flash projects. Um, but they had an expression there that I, to this day, do not understand. And I think it comes somehow out of the, the film industry, or maybe they just made it up. But their their expression was one for the real and one for the meal, or one for the yeah, that was that's right. one for the real and one for the meal. So I guess the real would be your you know your portfolio, your highlight reel, and the other one would be just the feature kids, right? And I mean, we have the utmost respect for people who start businesses who take on that risk and who you know who can employ people in in what to be honest is a tremendous job. You sit at a desk and you. You know, you work on websites. That's a that's a great job, um, but we didn't we didn't feel comfortable with that, and it seemed a lot of times like too many of the projects were for the meal, 
And when we decided that we were going to leave, we pretty much vowed that every project was going to be for the real for us. Every project was going to be a portfolio-worthy project. Um, we weren't going to take on any work that we'd be ashamed to you know, put on our website or we'd you know, be embarrassed to say that, yes, we're performing all these crazy hacks to, to support you know, an in-house flash website for a bank or you know, whatever it was. And as none of us here are independently wealthy, that's a kind of provocative principle to, to walk out on. And it, you know, it, can, it can hurt sometimes to turn down some of those jobs. Yeah, I think uh, just to, to follow on that, a lot of big agencies, you know, they're, they're big. I mean, they have 30, 40, 50 people working there. And it takes a lot of money to keep the lights on. It takes a lot of money to keep you know, paying people's benefits and paying people's salaries. Um, and they employ this army of salespeople. Um, you know, sometimes it's one person, sometimes it's 10 people that their job is to just go out and, you know, trawl the ocean for, for jobs. And sometimes they find a Marlin and sometimes they find an old tire and it's your job as the designer in that company to just do the best with whatever they hand you. Um, and, and we were getting too many projects that just weren't really interesting. They weren't really high dollar enough. Um, they didn't really propose much of a challenge they didn't do anything for our portfolio. Um, and, you know, too many of those and you start to lose interest in your job. Um, you know, we, yeah. we've, we've seen that a lot, you know, talking to people at, at industry events and things like that. There's, you know, there's a lot of talented designers out there that just aren't working on work that's worth showing. Did you find yourself essentially qualifying, you know, almost doing the salesperson's job in some senses, like they bring in a lead, like you had mentioned or an opportunity and whether or not it was the Marlin or not, you had to kind of help them figure it out and then kind of resell it after they've sold it? To some extent. Um, I don't know how much of a voice we had in saying whether a job was worth bringing in the door or not. And that was part of the problem. Um, you know, we would get wind of a job. And if we thought it wasn't something that we were interested in, we would do our best to try to dissuade the salespeople or the management from, from accepting that work. But, you know, more often than not, we would take the job and it was our job to, you know, to do the work. You, and Nate, you also mentioned a core set of principles. What, uh, like to, to found full stop. Sure. How much of those core set of principles stem from the pain and just anguish you felt working at this agency, you guys doing the plotting behind the scenes. Uh, how long was this plotting going on before full stop became, became real? Right. Uh, as far as how long the plotting <laughs> Some was going on with is yeah, there there's, a, there's a story we might need to get to okay. about the plotting. <laughs> yeah, as far as the plotting, I don't know, three months, six months, it, it was a gradual process of disillusionment, you might say. Um, when, I, when I accepted you know, a position to, to work there, uh, I had a couple goals walking in. It was 2006, late 2006, early 2007, and the, the company didn't have a blog. And I thought this was insane for a company that made websites to not have a blog where they could talk about making websites, where they could educate clients, you know, things like that. Um, they, and that was one of my goals walking in was to, you know, to, to make a blog and to, to put some great stuff on there because behind the scenes, what I wanted to happen was I wanted that company, the company that I worked for to be recognized as the best web design company in Pittsburgh. Not the one that wins the most awards, not the one that has the most people or brings in the most revenue, but the one that does consistently the best work. And if you ask around town for you know who to go to, they should say the name of my company. Uh, and it it just kind of gradually became obvious that those those principles were not shared. 
in terms of everything that, that comes out of being the best. So I don't know how many principles were derived from the time that, that I spent working there and how many I kind of brought with me. Um, but at least, at least that's where I wanted to end up. And it, it just became clear at some point that if that was the goal, the solution was not that company that we'd have to go off on our own and, and, and try to make that happen. Yeah. The other side of this is, you know, the, the place that we worked uh, together was, was Nate's first job out of college. Um, it was my fourth or fifth job out of college. Um, so I'd been to a number of other agencies in town and they all had their problems. Um, some of those problems were shared. Some of them were unique to whatever employer it was. Um, but no place is perfect. And it only, you know, if, uh, you know, Nate mentioned before that we're, we're much better, we're, we're not very good soldiers to, to other people's generals. Um, I'd sort of been disillusioned at a number of different shops and, and, and knew that if I was ever going to make it work in this industry, I probably had to do it by myself because a, I don't know how well I could have worked for anybody else. And B I'd probably run out of places in Pittsburgh, to even go ask for a job. I'm right there with you. I, I don't know how I could work for anybody else, but that's, it's uh it's different sometimes when you get to do, and I guess my situation, I'm not going to stick up for it because this isn't, the show isn't about me, but I actually, I'm kind of weird right now. I have a full-time job, but the, the cause is so awesome that I cannot help but be passionate about what I'm doing for that company. So I guess my story is a little bit of a, an aside there, but and and we, that's great. I mean, it's, you know, not, a, not enough people work for other people where they're not completely miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every job has its level of misery though. I mean, there is no, even working for yourself. Like you said, you guys have got to, to put on the sales hat, the designer hat, the front end dev hat, the, new product guy had, you know, I mean, you got to play all roles. So there, while you may enjoy it, I'm sure there's some days where there's some misery, misery involved, right? Sure. Sure. So, I mean, <laughs> no matter what, you're going to have a level of misery. I think it's just about trying to figure out the happy medium of what you can sustain and, and actually stomach and enjoy your life. It's really about enjoyment, right? I mean, life is about enjoyment, no matter what you do, where you work. Like I, I almost thought of this last night is that, uh, we web developers and we people who do stuff on the web and we're geeks like this is that we're essentially professional hobbyists in a sense because we love our hobbies probably so much that we turn them into professions. And that's that's kind of what you guys are doing in a sense. You're professionals at it, but you enjoy it and usually enjoy hobbies a lot. Yeah, my, uh, my mom always kind of busts my chops about this because, you know, I always said when I was a teenager that, you know, I didn't want my hobbies to turn into what I did for a living because then I would get sick of my hobbies. And, you know, here I am at 32 years old and everything that I do professionally is everything that I said I would never do professionally. <laughs> so let, let's talk about some of the core set of principles. We talked about kind of how they were derived and we you'd even mentioned a story on the plotting piece. So we go into this story. Is it is it uh, is it a short one or a long one? It's I mean, we can keep it short. We can keep it short. Is I mean. Does it lead into the core set of principles that you guys had kind of founded this uh, this company on? Not not necessarily. It's sort of a it's sort of a juicy side story. So okay. If we want to focus on the, the principles, we can we can go into that. And maybe no, I want to I want to do whatever makes you guys happy. I mean, if it's a fun story, let's <laughs> tell it. If if it makes sense to move on to the core set of principles, because I know that one thing that I liked most about the core set of principles was that it it kind of at least from when I had that conversation earlier from Nate, it, it was like this was the foundation for which you built everything upon. Like if this core set of principles wasn't laid down and agreed upon by the you know the co-founders, and you mentioned Matt before, is Matt a co-founder or did he, did he come in a little bit after things had gotten kicked off? 
Uh, Matt's a, a full partner, but he came in about six or nine months after we got started. Okay, so he didn't exactly have to agree to the course set of principles to start the company. So, well, he had to agree to him to be part of the company. Yeah, I mean to <laughs> to come in later on, but to to kick off the company, the foundation was laid by laying out these course set of principles, and you guys were like, "Yep, this is what I want to do." Like you'd mentioned, you wanted to be someone that was the best that you can be compared to, to Happy Cog, and when you realized you couldn't do that. You guys were both bummed out, and you started plotting. The next thing you know, uh, the impetus of Full Stop began. Sure, and we—I don't know—I don't know how explicit these principles are. I guess they're explicit, but maybe distributed. They're more like the English Constitution than the uh, the U.S. Constitution. Um, you know, I have a blog post about you know who we are and what we want to do, and it's just stuffed with links to. Andy Rutledge and 37 Signals and, you know, David Sherwin and all these people who have come before us who've really said things uh, from a position of experience that either I didn't have or that, you know, we hope to have in the future. Um, and we have, I, I put together a, a partnership charter, you know, before, before we started this thing, I wanted to know that the person that I was starting with was going to understand exactly where I was coming from and that we could have some set of shared expectations. And I don't know how much of those are principles insofar as they are a roadmap for where we want to get to and you know yeah what what might happen if things go wrong uh and there there's some other pieces out there too we have some other internal documents that you know may have never been polished up to the degree of like a, a 10 commandments that we published but there was just a lot of i mean a, a lot of communication from you know just walking down the street to get lunch while we were still at the other place to you know, casual conversations while shooting Nerf basketball in the conference room. You know, there was a there's a lot of shared history. It's you know, it's a relationship that you walk into and we felt pretty comfortable with it from both a personal and a business perspective before we before we ever walked out the door. Well let's talk about walking out the door then. Let's talk about day one. What was that like? Well I mean that's actually a, a good segue into kind of how we walked out the door. Um uh, the the story of we, we would never have been able to f- to start the company had we not pulled kind of this dastardly scheme to uh, to actually take a project from our previous employer. Um, Nate and I didn't have a ton of money saved up. We basically had kind of a you know a few thousand dollars between us and that we used to to buy new MacBooks with. Um, and after that, we were just kind of working from home. Um, but we were able to pull this scheme really um with the job that i'd actually won for the previous company i was i was i was in on all the sales calls with the with the salesperson um who was relatively inexperienced herself um i'd found out through various trips to this client's location with her that she was planning on leaving um kind of irrespective of, of our plans to leave and started plotting to think, you know, if, 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 if she's going to leave and we're going to leave, well then maybe we can get a few other people to leave too and go some other places so that, that'll <laughs> effectively cripple our employers so that they couldn't complete this job Ooh. and they would, they would need to give it to us. Um, so we kind of put some, some things in motion, um, both with ourselves, with this, with the salesperson and then with uh, one or two other people in the department, which was a small department to start with. It was only five or six people, I think at the time of which Nate and I were, you know, were, were two and we were good friends with everyone else. Um, you know, we, by the time we left, we basically left them with two flash developers and a project manager, um, and kind of made them a, the godfather offer an offer that they couldn't refuse. Um, 
that basically gave us this job, which is a which was a, a very sizable job in terms of budget and scope. Um, it was a higher ed web design project that kind of sustained us for about the first ten months that we were in business um, as full stop. It, it kind of paid half the way every month for about ten months or so. So we really only kind of need, you know needed to find fifty percent of the money that we would need on a on an ongoing basis to, to keep the lights on. Um, you know, and like I said, we were, we were pretty lean operation from the beginning, just working out of our respective homes, um, with, you know, with our, with our brand new MacBooks. That's an amazing little story there. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not, it's, it's, I'm sort of simultaneously very proud and not very proud of it. It's kind of the most Machiavellian underhanded thing I've ever, I've ever done. I, I don't know that, I mean, there were a lot of details to the plan, to the plan at the time, and they all came together. Um, there it, wasn't. It sounds you know, like you had to really orchestrate that thing for sure. Yeah, it was like I said. It was. Uh, it was. It was sort of a by, by any means necessary uh, situation. Well, no wonder why you were chuckling when I mentioned the the plotting part of it. Yeah, it was, there was some plotting. I mean, there was real. It was the, the dictionary definition of plotting. Okay, so we're we're into higher ed. Uh, we, we won this client. We're founding the company. I mean, I say we. I mean, you guys, not me. I'm, I'm not initiating myself into your into your slot there. But you want a job? Is that what you're saying? Uh, not today. Okay. Talk later. <laughs> if you're if you're doing some podcasting, you know, maybe I might have some expertise to lean on. But um, so we're we're got our first job going on. The company started. Who who came? You said the salesperson was leaving. Did you take some people with you then? No, it was just Nate and I. Um, we it was uh, this, you know the salesperson got another job just somewhere else. Um, there was a designer who was and still is a good friend of ours who I kind of found him a job elsewhere in Pittsburgh. Um, and then my best friend who Nate mentioned before was also working at the company. And about a month later, he left, um, kind of of, of his own accord actually. But. Um, yeah, so it was it was a kind of a, for for the size of the company, it was a mass exodus. So just curious, is that company still alive today? It is, it is, and they're 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 still making websites, not not websites as you would recognize them in 2012, but websites nonetheless. And do you ever propose against them and some of the, the work you guys are doing, or how do you get your work today? Well, um, you know, our our theory from the very beginning was not that we wanted to go out and try to chase down business um, because that's how you end up with the rubber tires and the, and the boots that you need to somehow turn into good projects. Right. Um, we our, our idea and I think our, I guess, good fortune was that we were able to have this, this runway with the big project that gave us the opportunity to kind of do some of our own work in the interim. Um, you know, United Pixel Workers being one of those things, um, our blog being another, where we started, we, we started to put our put ourselves out there in the industry. Um, you know, we got some, some small projects here and there. Um, but our idea was always, you know, put out good work and treat clients the right way and good work will come back to you. Um, and we've been in business for two and a half years really with that as our exclusive sales principle. Um, you know, we don't really, we don't make a point of cold calling people. We don't send emails to people who we want to work with. We don't, we're not even really all that visible, um, and at, at you know local events, you know local sort of uh, networking events, those those sorts of things, we just kind of make websites and put them out there, and then people write to us every once in a while, and they want they, you know they want us to make their website. What are some of the lessons learned that you guys have done creating full stop? Like you'd mentioned, some of those do's and don'ts that you do and don't do, and how you don't exactly go out and network 
on a lively basis. So what are some of the things that you've learned being a creative agency to, and Nate, to use your words, be up there with Happy Cog and the rest of them? Like, what have you guys have been doing to, to get into that kind of status? What can you share here today? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I would certainly say walking out at 23 or 24 years old, um, as much preparation as I thought I'd done, I was still incredibly naive about what it takes to run a business. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't had Jay to lean on as far as the client management experience. I mean, I don't think you ever want to put yourself in a position where you're going to let somebody down because you don't have the right experience. If you're inside an agency situation, you at least have some structure there and some people to lean on, some people to, you know, absorb some of your mistakes or to help you avoid making those mistakes. Um, and I, I would have loved, my first plan was to work somewhere those people existed and I could learn from. Like Jay said, we just couldn't find those people in Pittsburgh. So walking out was, uh, I mean, we walked out with our eyes open and yet I don't, and we still would have done it had we known what was going to happen. Absolutely. No question. Um, but it was as difficult or more difficult than I ever thought it would be, despite all the fun it's been, all the learning, all the challenges. Uh, specific you know, tips or, or things to be aware of, um, I don't know how much you can look at our example as a statistically likely example. You know, a lot of businesses get started and a lot of businesses fail all the time. Um, when we looked around, we felt like, you know, if, if other people could do it, we could do it. There's no capital involved in really setting up this little thing we have. We didn't have an office for the first two years. I mean, we, we got an office in June of 2011, you know, which had been over two years of working or almost two years. August was when we walked out in 2009. So almost two full years of working from home, Skype, campfire, base camp, you know, hanging out at each other's houses, at libraries, at coffee shops, just getting work done, which was not the most convenient thing given that, you know, Jay lives on the other side of, of town for me. So it's a, you know, an hour long trip just to, to hook up. Um, so I don't know that we have specific, you know, we're not quite 37 signals. We're not going to, you know, tell you that our way is the best way. We try to get as much advice as we can from other people. Uh, David Sherwin has a new book coming out this fall with his like accumulated business wisdom, um, changeorder.typepad.com. He's it's it's tremendous. Uh, it, it's like the A to Z of of running a web design business. And even still, I wouldn't walk out. No, nobody's going to tell you to walk out without at least three to six months of money saved up and clients in place, and you know. Five years of experience. Yeah, we we didn't really have any of that. Right. I mean, we we work in an industry where you don't have to serve an apprenticeship. You don't have to become a journeyman, you know, web developer. You can just go out there and do it. And for better or for worse, a lot of people do. Uh, and it's probably for worse more often than not. You know, there's a lot of people out there who make websites for a living who don't make good websites. So, tips and tricks. I don't know. Read a lot. Find some good mentors. Talk to them a lot. You know, find a good partner unless you can do it all yourself. And uh, I don't know, I guess we also place a high value on being opinionated. You know, if you, if, at least if you have opinions, you can point to other people and say, we're different than they are. If you want what we have, you can come to us. Um, but if you're the same as everybody else, you're just kind of bottom feeding and hoping you get, you know, whatever's out there as a small, brand new company. Yeah, I should. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was I was going to say. I mean, when we when we started the company, we were 
nobody's not to say that we're you know superstars now but um we had no twitter followers we had no friends in the industry we'd never been to a big web conference um you know we had no profile we had no clients um well we had i guess one client um you know all we really had was you know just each other and one client and you know and and we, we had to make it work um Nate mentioned the fact that we're, you know, relatively opinionated. Um, you know, we're also writers. Um, we, we had a, a big background, you know, prior to the web in, in writing. Nate was the opinions editor of his college newspaper. I was a journalism major in school. Um, so that's one kind of bullet we had in the gun was our ability to write. And so we started this blog a couple months after we, after we got, you know, kind of set up. And just decided to start getting into conversations that we saw on Twitter, getting into conversations we saw on other people's blogs, despite the fact that we were not, we didn't have the same uh, profile as uh, Jeffrey Zeldman or uh, Elliot J. Stocks or, you know, whatever. We would, we would write blog responses to things that they had written as if we were just as important as they were. Um, you know, putting things out there that were sort of timely, um, that were the, the discussion of the day kind of things. Um, future prognostications about, you know, what was going to happen with the next Apple device or, you know, just sort of evergreen pieces about the design life. Right. Sharing Um, some insights. Right. Right. And that I think played as big a role as really anything else because we didn't have anything else. We didn't, you know, we didn't have anything else to put out there. So we started just putting ourselves out there. And I think that, um, kind of jumpstarted the, I don't know if it jump-started us as a business necessarily, but it jump-started just our, our, our profile out there. It, just got, it got people knowing about us, which, um, you know, obviously you've got to have the goods to back it up. But, you know, the awareness, I think, is as important as anything else. Yeah, earlier in 2010, I mean, speaking of, I guess, good people linking to you guys, early in 2010, Zelbin linked out to you guys on the withering away of, of Flash, and that was a a you know, a poetic post on where Flash is going and it seemed that he was taking notice. And then during Fireball, John Gruber, also part of 5 by 5 linked out to Nate, your your usage of Google Voice, which I still haven't figured out how to use Google Voice well enough on my iPhone, so I'm going to have to go and read this post at some point. But I, I mean, don't do it. I don't, I don't even use it anymore. No? It just forwards directly to my phone. Yeah. But I mean, you got, some, you got somebody reading your blog. I mean, two... Not to somebody's big big people in the, in our industry, right? And I mean, they didn't uh, they didn't hit you know uh, channel surf or stumble upon to to end up at our blog. Like if you if you can reach out and introduce yourself to some people and have something worth saying, you know, um, when I, I emailed Jeffrey, I emailed John, you know, I emailed a lot of people and said I really like what you're doing because if you know if not for you, I wouldn't be able to do this or you know, I just love your writing and it's it's the only thing I subscribe to about this particular topic or whatever it is that you have to say that's genuine. Um, and you, you also add a little bit about, hey, I, I wrote this post that I think you might be interested in. I, that was not the first post that I'd ever sent John. It might have been the third or the fourth. And it wasn't the last, but it's the only one that he's ever linked to. And, you know, I don't write for him. I write for me. And if it if I think it's interesting to him, I'll send it to him. And it's, you know, it's worked out. That particular post led directly to a whole lot of money, um, which I could have never foreseen happening. I just, you know, I had a need for Google Voice. I downloaded it to my phone because it was finally available, and I used it, and I wrote up a couple quick thoughts about what it felt like to use it. And it wasn't, it wasn't um, 
purposefully, you know, link bait. It was just, here's something I want to say, and this is my forum for saying it. And, oh, by the way, if you might be interested, I wouldn't mind if you took a look. And speaking of writing and Zeldman and Gruber and getting known, mid-2011 last year, you got a chance to go on to a list of part and write. And we've been talking about full stop this entire time. We haven't quite delved into you know, the pixel workers, so maybe soon we can veer towards that. But before we do, I definitely want to kind of continue on this vein of you guys being opinionated and writing about what's what you're passionate about and getting known. I mean, what's the story here? How did you get on a list of part? You know, to be honest, I, I still don't know. Um, I know that we kind of fortuitously got invited to put up a piece on the relatively new Typekit blog. And we'd been using Typekit for at least a couple months. And we'd had experience with Cipher and Kufon and all the other, you know, font embedding tools that preceded widespread support of ad font face. Um, you know, we got invited, thankfully, by Mandy um, to, to put something up on the Typekit blog, which was incredibly uh, uh, nice of her to do. And it was a real honor for us to be up there with, with Dan and some other people who have written some really nice pieces. And Trent, I know there's, there's been a lot of people now. Um, and we kind of tag-teamed it, and it was all about United Pixel Workers and how we were using Typekit on the site. And hopefully it was a little bit educational for people who were interested in some of that CSS stuff. And then when we were, we, we actually got to talk to Mandy in Austin last year about this time. Um, and then she just out of the blue emailed and, and asked if I wouldn't mind writing a piece about CSS on, on a list apart. And I didn't feel, I don't know if I didn't feel qualified to write about CSS, but it seemed like there was almost nothing left to write about CSS. Now I've been reading a list apart for five years and that's not very long in the, in the lifespan of a list apart, but it was, it was my whole lifespan as a, as a web developer. So yeah, mine too. I mean, a list apart goes back to my beginnings as well. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I would have been just as tickled as, as you were. Yeah. So she said, you know, would you write something about, about CSS? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I said, no, <laughs> I said, I, I don't really want to write anything about CSS. I think there's nothing left to write about it. Or I, I personally don't have anything to say about it. But let me think about what else I might be able to write. And she said, absolutely, you know, let me know what you're interested in. And so I, I put together this, I put together a couple ideas. I talked to some friends. I talked to Jay about what might be a good one. And I wrote back to, to her and some of the other people there. And I said, I'd like to write an article about how to write proposal. So in the end, it became a little bit meta here about writing about writing. Um, but I, I felt like proposals and RFPs were kind of, more in my wheelhouse maybe than CSS was. I'm kind of an accidental front-end developer. Um, but I felt very strongly about what you should say in a proposal, how you should present yourself. A lot of the things that we've been talking about, we, you know, we really are opinionated and subjective uh, about who we are and why we're different than other people who you might work with. You, know, you might be able to spend more money by going to a bigger place or small, less money by going with a smaller place. Um, you know, but you're gonna you're gonna get what you pay for, whatever the situation may be. So I put together this this pitch for writing about proposals, and you know I heard back pretty quickly from them that uh, they're they're all for it. So I spent some time, I I wrote it, and I sent it to them, and it was I mean the feedback was great. According to them, you know there was a lot of a lot of love for it around the, the list apart virtual office. Um, and it, it went up, you know, pretty quickly after that. 
Yeah, I think was, they, they teamed it up with the, the Greg Hoy piece about yeah. RFPs, and it was a nice it was a nice sort of body of, of work. It was it was on my list of things that I hoped someday to do, and I thought I'd have to you know beg and plead to get accepted. And I know recently, uh, um, people were talking about you know maybe writing for Twenty Four Ways or something like that, and you know Drew McClellan was saying that all you have to do is get in touch with him, and you know if there's if there's room like. You know, there's an opportunity. And I thought that was what it was going to have to be. You know, a little bit aggressive on my part to to introduce myself and to, to offer something up. So to have Mandy ask us to you know put something together was, um, I mean, such a privilege. I guess to close up that what what has that done for you? I mean, besides your own feel good about wow, I've I've been published on a list of part this famed blog that this online publication that I've you know been excited about for years besides that like what did it do to your business what did it do to your lifestyle change what did it do to full stop and and kind of pixel workers it's totally changed my life adam uh <laughs> it hasn't done a whole lot that i'm aware of uh you know we get some traffic to our to our website um you know it was it was nice to be up there it was nice to get some some twitter feedback about it and i i was really happy to have accomplished it and to to really to have a place to talk about some things that I could talk about on the blog, but it was nice to be in that environment and, and be able to contribute that way. Well, yeah, I mean, a list of part has its own framework. So you, you know, your blog, um, mm-hmm. which also has a cool title. I, I love the, the title of your <laughs> blog. Um, nice. and I'm trying to recall exactly what it's called full disclosure, which I think is, you know, to go back to your transparency and putting everything out there and being opinionated. I mean, that's an awesome title for a blog, by the way. That's, I love that. But, you know, you step outside of your own framework. You, you step outside of your own constraints. And, you know, full disclosure might be your voice and you writing for a list of part might also be your voice. But what you're doing is is you're kind of jumping into somebody else's pond and they've got, you know, a lot more fish in that pond, a lot more opportunities in that pond. You can take things in different directions. You could be, you know, more adventurous, you know, take a little bit more risk in areas where you might be slightly more reserved in your own space. You know, you can, you got a lot lot to put out there in a place like that yeah i don't know if we're reserved in any place because it was <laughs> it was definitely a lot of fun and you know yeah the name of the blog is is cool it was, it was kind of we didn't have a choice at that point once the company's name was full stop the blog had to be full disclosure but we spent a lot of time thinking about what the name of the company would be and we wanted it to be reflective of who we were and i mean most people probably know that full stop is more or less a synonym for period you know if you're in the uk and uh you know, we just felt very strongly that, you know, we're going to say what we're going to say and period. That's the end of the story. There's no negotiation. There's no compromise, you know, full stop on everything that, you know, everything that we feel. I mean, to go back to uh, kind of what this has done, what this has done for us, um, you know, I don't know, like Nate said, that, that this has had really an explicit sort of one-to-one relationship on our, you know, impact on our business. But, you know, to, to get invited to write on, the, on things like the, the Typekit blog and then eventually, you know, a list apart, it's, you know, you, you never really arrive anywhere in, in any industry, but it sort of felt like we, we, we had our, we had our moment in the big leagues, you know, we got called up to the big club, you know, and we, we got in at bat and, you know, we, you know, maybe, maybe we hit a double or something, you know, and we, we got, you know, we got a base hit and, you know, maybe then we went back to the minors after that, but, you know, we were in the show for a minute and, you know, a list apart to, to I mean, to really to anybody in this industry, I mean, I've been, I've been reading a list of parts since, I don't know, 2003 or something like that. And that's not even the beginning of it. Um, you know, to, to think that we started a company and then got asked not too long later, you know, afterward to, 
to contribute a piece was amazing. Where are you going from there, though? I mean, is your plan to keep, you know, maybe .NET, a different magazine? I mean, take this particular topic on the road and do a couple presentations. Is that the kind of company you are? Or are, you, are you more focused on something we haven't talked about quite yet? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we've been, you know, we've been, um, we're always interesting, uh, interested, I think, in putting our, you know, putting our stuff out there. I think we've been a little maybe neglectful in the last six or eight months or so about writing, um, mostly because we've been focusing on some other endeavors. But um, I think to sort of, you know, to kind of get, get back into it a little bit, I think, uh, you know, some other venues might, you know, might be, might be good for us if we can, you know, if we're lucky enough to get, you know, to get invited into to those places as well. You know, we, we've talked a lot about, we've actually talked around quite a bit uh, the subject United Pixel Workers, and that's what you guys are most known for. Besides some of the stuff we've talked about already, so I mean, most of the people listening to this may have already, you know, they might even be wearing a T-shirt as they're listening to this. Who, who knows? Right. I I know if if y'all had a Houston T-shirt, Nate, you and I talked about this. I'd be supporting it right now if, uh, during this call, but sadly, that's not the case. We'll get there. We'll I've get seen there. I've seen Dan sporting them, so uh, yeah, we'll get to Houston. There yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, and that's Austin, so it's. Uh, it just as good. It's in big old Texas. So we talked about it a little bit earlier. Do we need to do an introduction? I mean, where should we start with United Pixel Workers? What would be the best kickoff for this? We can intro it. So if, if you're unfamiliar, United Pixel Workers is um, a fake union of web designers and developers uh, that we came up with for the purpose of selling T-shirts. That's probably the the quickest uh, the quickest introduction to it. And it's became us it was a side project initially though right i mean that's that's what it was it still is yeah, it kind was, of a side project yeah no it is it is and it's gotten it's gotten a lot bigger than when we first started um to go all the way back to the beginning um this is again when we really had no public portfolio projects that that big project that kind of kicked off the company wasn't going live for at least a year after we started the company um so we came up with you know with this idea you know, to kind of accomplish all those things that we that we talked about before, but also to hopefully try to raise our profile in the in the industry because nobody knew who we were. Um, you know, so we came up with this idea. We launched the site with a with a few T-shirts. I think we we launched it with just sort of a generic United Pixel Workers T-shirt, and then one for Philadelphia and one for Pittsburgh. Um, and we we came up with the the coolest site we knew how to build at the time, um, which got you know got a little bit of a got a little bit of attention and made it into a, a couple web galleries here and there. Including Typekit, which was probably the beginning of that. Was that one on Typekit? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah, that's what I like, too. I mean, you guys got featured twice on Typekit with two different designs. They talked about how you use their different fonts. Uh, I think, is it Hellenic or? Yeah, Hellenic Wide. Hellenic is, Wide, uh, yeah. Kind of old, like Western font. Right. And then uh, started using Futura once once Futura was available. Um, and not, not only that, but you were like right next to SimpleBits, Dan Cedarholm, who is you know the founder of dribble so I yeah mean. yeah no it's i mean we, we've been we've been kind of in rarefied air um on some of these you know some of these featured uh featured blog posts um so when we first started out the idea you know we we, we put the site up um and i don't know that we really ever had the inclination that this was ever going to make us any money i think we we did it um to get the word out about us and to you know, we we sent some T-shirts around for free. You know, whenever we we'd make a we'd make a new city, we'd send sort of well-known designers and well-known developers in that city some free shirts. So you know, we made Philly, 
you know, we sent a Philly shirt to Mike Montero and to Jason Santa Maria and, and, and Dan Benjamin, people who are from the Philadelphia area. You know, we sent for, you mentioned Dan Cedarholm, we sent him, him and Rich a Boston shirt. We sent Ethan Mark out a Boston shirt. You know, as we came up with, we just sort of hoped that that would introduce them to us, basically. And then if they happened to write about it or tweet about it or think it was a cool idea, then we might sell some T-shirts on the, on the back end. Um, I mean, also, from my perspective, uh, this was an opportunity for me to do something nice for some people who I'd really enjoyed reading their stuff and, and learned a lot from. We, you know, I sent a T-shirt to, to Aza Raskin, a San Francisco T-shirt, and he's had such a profound impact on my understanding of you know, user experience. I just wanted to do something nice for him. We finally had this like, little tangible thing that we could you know, send off. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, you'd mentioned... Uh, reaching out to people earlier and, and Nate in the, in the side conversation, you know, I've had, we've talked about being able just to treat people like humans. Like you think that, you know, Dan or some of these people you mentioned are, you know, larger than life because you guys aren't well known. You haven't made it to the big leagues yet. And you think maybe they're out of touch and just emailing somebody or being polite or just sending them something like that is a easy way to kind of break that threshold and realize that they're just humans like you and I are. But, this is a very, in my opinion, it's a profound idea. It's so simple, but it's profound to send them, you know, the first, like you had said, the first tangible item you could in thanks. Not so much even to get their accolades, but just like, you know, here's something awesome we're working on. We're really proud of it. We're not really sure what we're doing with it, but if you like it, awesome. Here's a gift for you. That's, where did the idea come for that? I didn't even know that you guys did that. Uh I mean, maybe it's an extension of the, you know, the we wrote a blog post and we'd like you to know about it thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who will tell you how to write an email to a, to somebody who you don't know. You know, just recognize that they're busy. You know, be be direct, be polite, um, give them kind of a, a clearly actionable thing if if you need something. Um, as far as why we sent them the shirts, other than what I already described, I just want to do something nice for them. I don't know where the idea originated. Um, I mean, it's certainly a potentially powerful promotional, you know, idea. And a, a couple of those people did say something, and, and a lot of them didn't, and that was totally fine. You know, it wasn't there's was no expectation that they would say something. It was just uh, here's something nice, thanks. Yeah, I mean, we've had you mentioned sort of larger than life. I mean, when we when we first started the company, I mean, we had you know the, these people out there in the in the web industry who were, I guess, heroes of ours, for lack of a better word, and. You know, you think, you know, when you're when you're just kind of starting out, you think like, oh, wow, like Ethan Marcotte, like he's, you know, he's this, this right. web, web development CSS demigod. And then you, you know, we've had we've been lucky enough to, you know, to work with him on a on a, on a pixel workers guest design um, a little while later. And we've met him in person and um, he's like literally the nicest guy in the entire web design community. Um, you know, he's not no no one in this world is famous enough to be really famous. Um you know, there's any one of us, including Jeffrey Zeldin, can walk down the street and no one knows who he is. Um, so we're not, none of us are really famous. Um, we're sort of famous within our own little circle. Um, and when I say we, I don't mean literally us. But, um, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's easy to, you, you can write to anybody in this industry and they'll write you back within a couple of days if they're not super busy. Um, I, I remember a time when Nate wrote to Seth Godin and got an email back in less than five minutes. Um, you know, and that's, that's the, 
that's the norm rather than the exception in this in this industry. I've I've had a couple strikeouts. I won't mention their name, but it, I'm st- <laughs> I'm, I'm still bearing bad thoughts about it, and I'm hurt. My my heart is cut. It's all right, Adam. We, we've struck out too, but <laughs> yeah, we, you know, a lot of attempts, a lot of at bats. Yeah, you know, running this show, I I go through a lot of what you guys have gone through with like reaching out to people. I mean, I've got to reach out to people I don't even know, and then have this in depth buddy buddy conversation. Uh, when we're we don't even know each other and sometimes nate like in our case we you know we got a chance to chat for a few minutes beforehand and kind of get to know each other and understand the the premise we're about to step onto. i mean i run this show but at the same time every every call is different every call is i got i get butterflies when i talk to anybody because i'm like i don't know where this call is gonna go what's gonna come up and i just try my best to 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 uh live up to that last line in the instructions to you guys, which is just, it's a conversation. It's about having some fun. So I just try to go in every conversation trying to do that. But I, I feel you. You know, our, our attitude is always we're going to be respectful. And at the end of the day, though, you have to try to get your name out there somehow. Yeah. And, you know, we, we really don't want to take advantage of anyone. And we really don't want to promote ourselves in kind of, some kind of slimy way. Like, you know, we give away some shirts to people at random just for following us on Twitter. And, you know, maybe we could just give away shirts randomly to random people. But that seemed like the least, you know, least effort to get to get in on that kind of contest. You don't have to tweet anything for us with our name in it. You don't have to, you know, spam a bunch of your friends. That's kind of the, you know, the same approach that we took to these emails. And it's funny that if you think about how Pixel Workers went from a couple shirts a month to you know, a couple hundred shirts a month, it was because we did the same exact thing. We reached out to some people who we liked, and we said, "Would you design a shirt for us?" You know, it would be you know, it would be an honor for us if you would. We think you would enjoy it. You know, you get a shirt at the end of the at the end of the process that you can wear and give to your friends, and you know, say you did. And yeah, there's money in it for you too. It's not a whole lot. It's not like you know, probably the same hourly rate you get out of doing client work. But that probably more than anything else integrating some of our hitherto not friends, you know, just acquaintances into the process made a huge difference in, in uh, the popularity of the website. You mentioned, is that kind of part of where you say you tried something that didn't work well and then you kind of tweaked it a little bit and it worked really, really well? Is that the part that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, the you know, I guess the dirty little secret of United Pixel Workers is that it didn't work for about six or eight months. Um, you know, we launched the site, I think, in May or June, maybe, of 2010. And we, you know, we started the site with three shirts. And then a couple, you know, maybe a month later, we had two, you know, two new shirts. And then a month later after that, we, you know, by the time, by the time the site was, by the, by the end of 2010, I think we had nine shirts on the site. Um and we weren't doing any of the pre-order stuff that we do now. Um, we were just we just sort of had shirts on the site that people could buy at any time, and we'd sell two dozen a month, maybe you know maybe three dozen if we were, if we were lucky. If you know one shirt went on a, a real tear, um, and it was just kind of a it was kind of a pain, really. Um, you know, we'd have to go to our print shop and say, oh, we, we need eight of these shirts and three of those shirts and you know six of these. And it was kind of a pain in the butt for them to, to make these shirts for us. And, you know, at the, at the end of 2010, we kind of had to take, step back and take stock of what we were doing. Um, we certainly hadn't made any money. We had a pile of unsold shirts. And, you know, we'd, we'd gotten what we wanted out of it in terms of, you know, now we had some emails between us and, and some people that we admired. And, you know, we had a little bit of a higher profile in the industry, you know, a couple of followers on Twitter. 
but we certainly didn't have a successful business. And we, we decided we either need to kill this entirely or we need to step on the gas and figure out how to make it work. Um, one aspect of that, uh, that we haven't mentioned yet is, you know, we, we saw what, uh, what we, I think have casually referred to as the, the John Gruber method of selling t-shirts where, you know, if you're familiar with how he does things on daring fireball once a year, he opens up t-shirt sales for like a week or two and he takes all the orders, uh, at once and then prints all the shirts and ships them out to everybody who bought one. So he can print them and he can produce the shirts in almost exact quantities. So if somebody orders, you know, a bunch of women's smalls, he doesn't have to worry about keeping inventory of women's smalls. He just prints whatever he needs and ships them out. We thought that was pretty smart. So we decided to adopt that on a rolling basis um, so that we wouldn't have any inventory. We wouldn't have any unsold T-shirts just sitting around and collecting dust on shelves. Everything we made, we sold. The other side of it is the guest designers. I mean, we would be nothing if we weren't standing on some pretty, pretty big shoulders here. Um, you know, we started out with just some of our friends from Dribble, um, guys like Bobby McKenna and, and Tyler Galpin. Um, and then we started to try to reach a little bit. You know, we asked people like Ethan Marcotte and Jeffrey Zeldman and then eventually, you know, people like Jessica Hish and Aaron Draplin. And, and to our amazement, I mean, we, you know, you, you mentioned how you'd struck out a few times with, with guests on, on this show. Um, no one said no. Everybody said yes. Wow. And just designer after designer after designer kept on saying yes. And, you know, we, by the time last year was over, you know, we'd worked with people who, you know, in our minds are at the top of the mountain in, in any of their fields. I mean, you know, people like, like I said, Jessica Hish is an amazing illustrator. Yeah. You know, Jeff, Jeffrey Zeldman obviously needs no introduction. Um, and we'd gone from selling a few dozen shirts a month to selling a few hundred shirts a month. And, you know, we're at the point now where, you know, if we don't sell, I don't know, 500 shirts in a month, we're disappointed. Um, and it's amazing to look back on this, and 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 that's our perspective. But. Yeah, I, I can relate. I can certainly relate. Yeah. What, what I find unique too about the way you guys are doing things is is even the way you've got to split up into pre order. It kind of goes into that business model you just mentioned. The way you're selling, uh, you know, what's currently, uh, I guess, pre order. So you got this pre order notion where you kind of pre order, and that's how it works. So you pre order for the month or whatever the duration is. And then once that pre-order is over, no more orders are taken and you print and, and ship out. Is that how it works? That's, that's basically the idea. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, we take orders for four weeks. And, uh, you know, if you get your order in in that time, great. If you don't, I mean, that's, that's part of, a, I think, what, what helped us sell more T-shirts is because we're, we're kind of artificially creating our own demand. Um, you know, by saying that if you don't order your shirt in this four week time period, it, it puts a lot of, I guess, pressure on the, you know, on the customer. It's like, wow, if I want this shirt now, I, you know, I got to buy it. Right. I think the, the difference is though, that we couldn't do this if we didn't do it that way. You know, we tried it the other way for a long time and it just, it just didn't work. You know, so we started doing this and I think we're getting closer now to, to maybe having some inventory available. I mean, the worst part about it is we just feel bad when somebody says two or three weeks later, like, oh, I didn't even know that. You had a Chicago shirt, and now I can't buy it. And you know, we feel bad about that, and we want to we want to help people represent. And a big part of what United Picks Workers has always been for us is, you know, this kind of collaborative community feel of you know representation. And now, even to the extent that we're able to print some shirts for other people, like a Book Apart or Lost Type Co-op and stuff, it's this feeling of uh, you know we can help you do something that's a big pain to do otherwise. You know, there's not much money making T-shirts. You know, if you don't do it with us, you might not do it at all. Um, but together, we can make it happen. And now, people who really like a book apart 
can go ahead and get that shirt and represent a book apart. Yeah, I also love, you know, you know, beyond that that fabulous business model, which just seems again just so simple but yet so profound to to totally change the direction of the ability to execute on this business whatsoever for you guys because the other way, like you said, couldn't happen. And the only real option that you guys found out was the way that you're working it now. But you've also been able, like he had just mentioned, a book apart and Method and Craft and Lost Type co- uh, Co-op. Those are some real well-known brands, not only that, but uh, uh, Mike Montero's brand, uh, Mule Radio, which I'm, I'm totally a fan of that <laughs> That tagline of theirs <laughs> from our ass to your ears. That's that's ballsy and that's total totally Mike. Yeah, I mean it's uh I mean when we when we once we reached a certain point, um, you know, we, we started thinking about, well, you know, every designer, um I don't want to say every designer, but just for the sake of argument, every designer, I think one it's like it's almost like every uh every rapper wants to be an actor or something. You know, every designer wants to make t shirts. And, you know, the truth of it really is that making T-shirts is hard. Um, it's, it's hard if you don't know what, screen, what the screen printing process looks like. It's hard if you've never fulfilled a physical product before. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's so many parts of the process that you're, that you're completely um, unfamiliar with that we have gotten familiar with over the past two years. Um, and I, I dare say in some cases gotten good at uh, we certainly weren't any good at it when we started, and we needed to learn all the hard ways to do it um, before we learned the easy ways. But we've reached a point where we know how to do this stuff. You know, we have relationships with print shops. We know how to ship T-shirts. You know, we've built a lot of our own software on the back end for for helping to make that process a lot easier. And we thought that if we could approach some of our friends in the industry and some people that we admired that we maybe didn't know yet and said to them, you know, look, either you've made T-shirts in the past and you know how much of a pain in the butt it is, or you haven't made t-shirts and it's something you've never really thought of, you know, why don't we do something together? You know, we'll, we'll split the profit and, you know, we'll do all the dirty work. All you got to do is design the t-shirt and and help us promote it. And, you know, everybody wins, you know, people get a cool t-shirt, you get to sell t-shirts and make a little bit of money. And, you know, we get to say, we all work together. It's funny how you say all that Jay, because you actually wrote the, you were the pen behind, well, not really the the pen, the digital pen behind um, a blog post on the economics of making and selling T-shirts, where you kind of dive directly into all of these. I guess you say it easily in this in this post: the sobering truths of producing a T-shirt and all the ins and outs of choosing the blend of cotton, the T-shirt, the design, and all the all the ins and outs of doing this. I mean, it's. It's not an easy business. No, it's. I mean, it really, it really isn't. It seems um, like it, it should be though, right? It's just T-shirts. I mean, that's not what you hear all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, you th- I mean, you think it's easy, and then you sit down, and you know, you're sitting in front of a stack of unsold T-shirts, or you're, or you're sitting in front of a stack of sold T-shirts that you have to actually send around the earth to people who bought them, and it's, it's not an easy problem to solve. Um, the funny thing is, I, you know, I wrote that blog post before Pixel Workers really took off. I mean, we, we were still at the point there where we were deciding whether we wanted to kill the idea entirely or or try to make it bigger um you know so we've learned things and we've implemented things since then that i think would make a pretty good part two to that post but yeah it's just you know it's shipping is hard maintaining inventory is hard um you know dealing with customer service is, is hard dealing with consumer expectations i mean you're you're up against things like amazon where you know something that you buy today can be at your door tomorrow and when you're just like one guy trying to make t-shirts and it's you and your girlfriend or you and your wife 
sitting with like a dining room table full of like mailers and labels and you have to like physically take them to the post office. It's it's pretty, it's pretty daunting. Um, you know, like I said, we've, we've gotten a lot smarter. Our our game has certainly gotten a lot sharper, um, in, in what it takes to, to turn these things around and get them out to people. But, you know, we thought we had, uh, you know, some value to, to add to people, um, you know, that, that maybe otherwise wouldn't do it. I like your usage of consumer expectation, too. I mean, especially in this post, you kind of dive into what I think is probably the hardest truth to really realize if you even have, like, if you're a listener out there listening to this and, you, and you're thinking about doing what these guys have done, uh, you know, Jane, you say it best in here, welcome to retail. Like, as soon as you open shop, you start dishing out these T-shirts or whatever you're going to sell to a consumer – You've become retail. You're in a whole different animal. You got consumer expectations to match that, you know, if you're a mom and pop shop, for lack of better terms, you might not be able to do it that well. And you got to give up four hours every night just to fulfill those orders. What's that exactly. like? Well, I mean, you guys we, are still doing that now or is that is that kind of time since past? Well, we're not doing the sort of four hours every night thing. It's more like we're doing the 18 hours every month sort of thing where, okay. I mean, we actually just kind of, uh, we just, we just shipped a big, uh, a big shipment out. It was actually how many? How many pounds? It's four hundred and thirty pounds of shirts. Four hundred and thirty pounds of packages. Um, and luckily, we have. A, I assume you have your own account with FedEx or. Well, we ship it. Yeah, I mean, we the US the the postal service comes and picks them up now. Whereas before, I mean, I was I was the guy in line at the post office, like just holding up everybody else in line. Wow. Uh, you know, where I, I had to take you know. 50 packages to the post office and get them all print, you know, get, get all the postage applied. And I got a bunch of dirty looks from people, um, for, for a long time before we figured out a smarter way to do it. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you, you mentioned customer expectations. Um, for most people listening to this, if you want to make prints and sell prints, or you want to make these little notebooks and sell notebooks or t-shirts or whatever, and it's a side project for you, the person who's buying it from you doesn't care at all that it's a side project from you. You know, they just spent, 20 bucks or 50 bucks or 80 bucks on what you're selling and they expect it to arrive in like a timely fashion. Um, and I think a challenge for, for pixel workers is that we kind of had to turn that on its head with the way that we do things. I mean, we, we take t-shirt orders for four weeks and then we print everything and we ship everything at once. So if you're the kind of person who orders a t-shirt on day one, not only are you waiting the remainder of the, that four-week sales cycle before your T-shirt's even printed, you know, it, it takes about a week or so after we, we send the order to our print shop for us even to get the T-shirts back, sometimes two weeks. You know, and then we package it all up and we ship it. And if you're domestic, you get it in you know, I don't know, three to five days. If you're in a place like England, you get it in another two weeks. So you, know, you could be buying a shirt that you don't get for a month and a half or two months. Um, and we had to sort of build that into the language that we communicate to consumers because like I said, you know, they're, they're used to buying something from Amazon that, you know, they, they buy it now, they get it tomorrow at three o'clock. Yeah. I'm, I love that. I love that by the way. I love it too. (laughs) I love it too. But it's, you know, we, we're certainly not at the scale and and no one in our position is really at the scale where, where they can do that unless it's a full-time thing, unless it stops being a side project. And unless you're selling things at the volume that allows you to, you know, you buy something today, I put it in a bag and send it to you tomorrow. Why can't it be like that? You know, that's that's a shame. But it, uh, what I do appreciate so much, and it maybe this is the takeaway, maybe this is the worth the wait, because when you look at the quality of what you guys are doing, not only just the the quality of the shirt, but you know the design, the the handmadeness, if that's a word, the the craftsmanship required to do everything you've done, the heart that you guys have put into this business, you know, all those things. I think have to. I think 
when you say consumer expectation, I think that's slightly skewed because when you buy from someone, especially if you use the right language like you had said you did, and like you guys are presenting pixel workers a certain way and what you guys are doing a certain way, you can kind of get some grace, right? Because if I know that it's real people behind this, people that if I were hanging out with you guys, we'd be, you know, chilling, talking, having fun, you become real to me. You're not like Amazon is, you know, it's not Jeff Bezos to me. It's, it's a corporation. It's a company. It's somebody I can get mad at. It's not a person, but you guys are people. So if, if we see you like that, it's a little different. Yeah, totally. I mean, we, we've been blessed with people who just have been very understanding about it. And, you know, there's some hard economic realities that go into that. And I think they're understanding of those too. It's not just, well, there are people behind the scenes. It's, well, this is maybe the only way that I could get a local uh, Rochester shirt, you know, is if we kind of go through this model. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, we put a lot of effort into our customer service, whether it's through Twitter or email. If you, you know, if your shirt got lost, a lot of times we just send you a new one just for free. It's not, you know, if, if we have it, we're happy to send it to you. Um, we generally respond to customer service, you know, requests within the first day. And it's just, you know, it's just Jay and I. Actually, it's mostly just me now. It used to be mostly just him. And, you know, we, you know, the we have a couple of snippets that help us get through them a little bit faster. But a lot of the time, it's just me typing out an email. Like every day, I got, you know, four customers, five customers, six customers who are wondering, where's my shirt? You know, oh, did you put the wrong address in the PayPal? Yeah, I did. Okay, that's all right. We'll send you another one. You know, no problem. Um, or, you know, my shirt came and it's a medium and I ordered a large. Well, you know, I'm sure that's our fault. I'm sorry about the wait. Here's, you know, here's a discount on your next shirt. We'll get another one rushed from the printer and we'll send it to you as soon as we can. We've gotten so much goodwill from people for just having a really empathetic approach to our customer service that, you know, if you're going to do something like this, I don't want to discourage anyone from doing it. I mean, we, we love it. And, uh, you know, you're going to take some lumps along the way, but uh, uh, empathetic customer service and just timely and friendly stuff goes a long way, too. Well, this uh, this show has a, a certain question, which we use somewhat to wrap it up, which I'm going to ask in just a second. But the what I want to ask you most, though, is if I'm a designer, which I'm not exactly a, an awesome designer like some of the designers that you're working with, but I'm sure there's listeners of the show that are fully qualified to be doing some stuff with you guys. If they were like, oh, man, I've got to get in touch with these guys. I want to do something for my city or you know what have you. What do they do to get in touch with you to start working with you? Is that an open door? What's the situation there? Uh, it, maybe it's one of those half open doors where you can like see in the window, but you can't, you know, you can't open the bottom. We <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very descriptive there. Nate. Sure, we love a good metaphor here. <laughs> oh, there's nothing we love more than a, a good metaphor and bad metaphors. We love all metaphors. Um. We, you know, we're definitely very selective about who does the guest designs for United Pixel Workers because that's that's purely us, and we have a, you know, there's a lot of um, characteristics that we need to see to, before we go into you know production with a guest designer, uh, and we do definitely welcome partner you know shirt requests. We're constantly reaching out to people um, about you know which shirts make sense. It's a very curated kind of store. We can't just throw a bunch of shirts up there because it gets a little bit overwhelming. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of a process of vetting process there too, but you know, in answer to your completely unanswered, unasked question, um, I think we're going to start doing a little bit more personal, uh, local shirts. So we're definitely going to be reaching out to, and we'd be happy to hear from 
um, designers in cities who want to make a United Pixel Workers shirt for their city. Um, it's going to be a little bit different than the existing Pixel Workers shirts, which have a very defined template of, you know, your city, your area code, and a pixelated landmark or pixelated, uh, you know, something famous from that city. But we want to we want to let people represent their cities um, in a in a way that we can't do because we're outsiders in some sense. We we don't know uh, how to how to include the the personality of the city, not just something visual that's recognizable and maybe even to the people who live there a little bit cliched. We want to give the people at, you know, Refresh Atlanta or, you know, in, in Nottingham, England, you know, a, a way to just make a shirt that is coming from them at least as much, if not more so than it's coming from us. So that's, if, if you want to do a shirt, that's probably the avenue that's most open at this point. You know, if you're from a city, even if it's not the biggest city, we've gotten as many orders from uh, Denver as we do from New York, or we've gotten many, many more orders from Denver than we have from LA. So if you're from from any reasonably large U.S. city or even international city, we'd definitely like to hear from you. And how do they go about doing that? Like, what's the easiest way to contact you guys? I guess uh, you know, pixelworkers.com slash contact. Is that the the place or Twitter or I don't, I don't even know if we have a yeah. yeah, maybe we do. I don't know. Us us at unitepixelworkers.com or you can you know, send a message to at Pixelworkers on Twitter. If you can get to UnitedPixelworkers.com, I feel confident that if you're, you know, if you make websites for a living, you'll be able to find us. There you go. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure there's just tons of different avenues we can continue to go down with Pixel Workers. I mean, three different designs. You even had a 50 States project, which we didn't get to dive into, but um, lots of lessons learned in advertising, marketing, which I kind of, I guess we kind of went over some of those, but um, my, the question I want to ask now is sort of the wrap up question, which is the super secret question. So I want to know, you know, what you guys are working on that might not be even pertaining to some of the stuff we talked about tonight, but or today, I guess it's kind of almost tonight. It's tonight for you guys. It's like six twenty over there. It's getting a little dark here. Yeah, it's it's probably definitely dark in Pittsburgh right now, but. You know what's on the horizon? What's something that no one else knows about? Maybe you can announce it here. That'd be awesome. Um, well, I'll, I'll talk about one. I'll let I'll let Nate talk about the other one. Um, there's not a whole lot of detail to share at this point, but we're we're launching another T-shirt brand very soon. Um, hopefully by the end of the month, actually. That uh, has we'll, we'll say it's 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 got broader appeal. It's not just for web designers and developers. That's that's super secret number one. <laughs> sure. So, you know, to talk about that a little bit more, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of the stuff we've already done, maybe some new stuff, but it's going to be stripped of a lot of the pixel workers, um, branding. So if it's, you know, if your sister is, it lives in that city or if your sister cares about that, if you're, you know, your dad might just like a representation of the golden gate bridge, you know, that, that kind of stuff is probably going to be up there. A lot of people want to get that. And, you know, we haven't, before or had any way to do that for them. Very, yeah, very nostalgic. A, you know, that, that's what I liked about it. I, w- I wanted a Houston T-shirt at the moment I knew what you guys were up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, the the next project for us is very much a Thirty Seven Signals sell your byproducts mm-hmm. idea. Um, and it all, it, I, I got to give some credit to uh, to Dave Rupert from from Paravel, who who kind of it was something that we were thinking about, but he kind of kicked us into gear on this. And how so? He well, he he wrote to me on Twitter one day and said, "I have an idea," and we had a Skype conversation about it. And it was something that we were kind of 
sort of kicking around already, but he proposed it to us, and that's it's essentially exactly what 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 it's going to become. And didn't uh, Dave also participate in the shirt too? Well, Dave, uh, I mean, Dave's part of Paravel, and Paravel right. designed uh, one of our one of our most recent guest design T-shirts, where we. Seems it seems like a, a, a trend that people are going to Austin this year for South by Southwest, but they're not really going to South by Southwest. They're not buying a conference pass or whatever. So we we kind of decided to hijack the conference and kind of make it into this fake. You know, we're a fake union. It's it's we kind of thought that that maybe this year at South by Southwest could be our fake conference. Um, so we had uh, we had Reagan and Trent design us a uh, a United Pixel Workers conference T shirt for uh for people to wear down in down in austin this year that's awesome and if you're going to be there next month it's like next month right like mid next month it's next week next week there you go yeah. so that, that yeah. shows you i'm not going that's sad and i'm in, I'm in houston <laughs> that's a bummer but hey you know uh like you guys i can't go to every every event like that it's it, but that would seem like it'd be the best one for me to go to but I, i'm not gonna go well maybe you could still make it you just you know get a mega bus or something yeah you know who, who knows i mean i wouldn't mind coming over and just hanging out going to the that's uh, what the we're pixel, doing. The Pixel Workers uh, Conference. That'd be I could do that. Yeah, come <laughs> but, see us. We'll give you a T-shirt. But you'll be there, and you might even be seeing people wearing the T-shirts. So, have you sold a lot of these T's yet? Uh, well, we sold those. Uh, we sold we sold a, a decent amount of those. I mean, I think uh, what we're really excited about is, you know, we went down last year. It was our first time to South by Southwest, and at that point, we hadn't really put many shirts out there. Um, I think we probably only sold, let's say, two hundred. I don't know total. Um, since then we've sold like literally thousands and thousands of t-shirts to people, um, all, all around the world. And I think we're, we're anxious to see how many of them we see in the wild down there. You got a hashtag for spotting a pixel worker t-shirt? I don't know. Maybe we need one. I thought about it. Okay. Listen, <laughs> Jay's going to hate this, but okay. pixel workers, P I C S pixel workers. <laughs> no good. It's no good. It's no good. All right. Here, here's the other thing, Adam. Um, this one's a little bit more exciting for me. I mean, the other one's exciting, but it's because it's less inside this industry, I get a little bit less excited about it. But um, number two is a lot of people have broached this concept with us on Twitter. Um, we, we're a fake union, and all we do is sell you T-shirts. So we're trying to do more things, you know, try to, try to be more of a, a real union for you. Um, so we're going to, I think, I think we're going to put together a membership package and I'm not sure exactly what that package is going to include, but I, I, it's highly likely that there's some members-only stuff, maybe a members-only shirt. You know, we might we might be able to put together some kind of like fake union card. You know, maybe some discounts. There's there's some people who love to buy shirts. They'll get you know a couple shirts a year, some sometimes a shirt a month. Um, and we want to kind of give back to those people in a way that's um, more recurring and just has a little bit more of a you know, prestige to it. People want to say like, you know, I'm, I'm part of United Pixel Workers and now you'll be able to just, you know, flash your card. Boom. We're, we're stopping short of like providing health insurance. <laughs> card carrying, pixel working. Yeah, that's awesome. That's right. Yeah, that's it's right. a little, it's a little cheeky, but you know, it's, uh, it's something that we've, you know, like I said, people have been, we've been asking about it for, for, for some time. Um, especially things like, you know, almost like a subscription model to, to United Pixel Workers that, that gives them some benefits that they otherwise would, would not get. That's awesome. So you guys are both on Twitter. So if people want to follow you guys, they want to follow Full Stop, they want to follow Pixel Workers, what do they do? Where do they go? Well, uh, if you want to follow me, uh, at Nathan Peretic, you know, I, 
I was hoping it could be apparetic, but some squatter who has my family's dot com and my Twitter handle is just Ooh, sitting there not using it. That's not yeah, cool. I have I have harsh things to say about him because I've reached out many times in the past and he just <laughs> he does not return my emails. That um, is not so, cool. No, it's not cool. I'd be so much more okay with it if he used it, but you know, it is what it is. So at Nathan Peretic and you know at Finelli, so yeah, at Golden Finelli. That's right. Yeah, I got uh, I, I scored at Finelli not too long ago, and then uh, it's at Pixel Workers to follow Pixel Workers, and then uh, at We Are Full Stop to follow uh, Full Stop. We don't tweet much from there, but uh, if you follow me and Nate and Pixel Workers, you'll you'll get the news. But new ideas for sure. So like launching either of these things would definitely be launched on Full Stop. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then personally, you know, probably. One other place that we recently finally got a blog set up. Um, you know, we started off the call a long time ago with, I can't believe my, you know, my previous agency didn't have a blog. Well, right. it's, been, it's been two years of pixel workers with no blog. I mean, we, it was in the plan from the first iteration and it never got enough love because we were just, Twitter was so much easier. But we finally got a blog. I think it's unitedpixelworkers.com slash blogs slash the hyphen desk but there's a there's a link somewhere on the website and we, a lot of the things we didn't talk about today uh, I hope to start putting some some good posts up there there's at least one right now but there's a lot of things about customer service order fulfillment you know so you want to make t-shirts part two that we definitely intend to get up there so even if you're not gonna you know partner up with us or something we still yeah. want to get some of that hard-earned knowledge back to you well, I mean, you know, there's there's other opportunities too. I mean, I, I run a couple other podcasts. So Jay, maybe you're the designer of the house. So we, over at the industry, we have guests on, so we can potentially have you on a, a future show, and you could be a guest, and we can riff on some new stuff you guys have been able to do. So we have a, a moment where we actually have some banter. So that's kind of neat. So tomorrow we're actually recording. Chris Coy will be on from CSS Tricks. We'll be joined sure. by by him and go over the news and what's going on and. So we'd love to have you on that show for sure in the in the future and maybe even give you a chance to come back on one of my shows to, to, to announce some things, which would be awesome. But, gentlemen, it's been uh, seriously a pleasure to chat with you guys. I, uh, it's been a little over an hour and 20 minutes roughly, so uh, I know that I've fully enjoyed it. Audience, if you haven't, then that's just a shame. So I don't know what to say to you guys. Maybe you need to go to... Um, maybe you need to go to their blog, full disclosure, and read some some awesome stuff. Who knows? Or listen but, to somebody else's podcast. <laughs> yeah, or listen to somebody else's podcast and tell them to shut up. <laughs> but uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, joining me on the show, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having us, Adam. Yeah, thanks. And that's it for this edition of Founders Talk. I want to thank Nate and Jay for joining me and sharing all the great information they've been able to share and their fun story it, it was a blast uh, doing the show also want to thank our sponsors less accounting and the industry certainly appreciate the support and thanks to you for listening to the show if if you love the show go into itunes right now or as soon as you can if you're driving make enough to do it later but go into itunes whenever you get a chance and leave a rating leave me some feedback on twitter i definitely appreciate it and i do listen so thanks again for listening i'll see you next time